Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. This week on the PR Moment Podcast, I'm pleased to welcome John Lonsdale, CEO and joint founder of Octopus. For those of you that are not aware, Octopus have a fee income of £5 million, employ about 60 people, and are an independent technology-focused PR firm in London. What makes them a really interesting story is that they have been going for nearly 18 years. The company was founded by three mates who worked together at Byte, and those friendships are still intact and very much at the heart of the business. Octopus have also, in John's words, bet the farm on its brands to sales positioning of the agency, and we'll be talking about that, amongst other things, on this podcast. Now, John, as I said in my intro, what I love about the Octopus story is that at the start it was it was three mates who decided to launch a technology PR firm. And here we are 18 years later, and you're all still together, and you're all still mates. Normally everyone's fallen out by now, but yourself, Billy Hamilton, Stanton, Pete Hendrick have, uh, are still together. Um, how have you done it? Well, I, I think actually running a business with your mates is, is about as good as it gets, right. um, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I mean, we started out as, a, as an account team back in the day working at another agency, so worked together actually for longer than the 18 years we've been running, running the business. So, yeah, it's, um, I think it's helped us. I think it's um, meant that we've got a very stable business, and, you know, as life's gone on, you know, one of us has been able to take the helm on running the business while the other one's gone and had kids or been on paternity leave or whatever. So right. I think having a strength in depth of a management team is quite unique in our industry, but it's, I think it's helped us along the way. Um, and we but haven't how, had that many rows. <laughs> how good a mates were you when, you when you all sort of clubbed together? Well, I mean, you know, agency life is, you know, it's pretty intense. And when, okay. we, when we worked together for the three or four years before, you know, right. you become really good mates. Because um, sometimes these partnerships sort of just happen and you don't actually tend... Sometimes people don't actually know each other that well before they club together but in, in your case you were actually good good sort yeah of we're, we, okay. we're effectively an account team that all, right. all decided one day to go and uh, start a business together so um it's been a hell of a journey but um we you know we've stayed good friends and i think we've just got a i guess a, a, an understanding about what it, what each other's thinking it makes decisions making a lot easier um yeah and you know the sort of family really any any advice because it's it's one of those things is um, as people get together to form a business that, you know, quite often it doesn't go quite as or end quite as harmoniously as, as, as you guys seem to have found it. Is there things that you've done or, or you've managed to do that um, have kept it kept it such a good working environment? I, I think we've always, uh, I think I said this to you before, we, we've always treated it rather than it, it's our business, we've always treated it as a place we work, as it, um, treat ourselves as employees. Right. And I think that's that served us really, really well. You know, I think in, in public relations you tend to get the cult of the owner, really, you know, where it's all built around them, their contacts, their network. What does that, what does that mean in practical terms, well, in I, terms of the, uh, treating yourselves as employees? Yeah, I, ju- I just think it's a mindset that, you know, you work, you've created something that you're a place you work at rather than it's your, it's your thing, you know, and, and, I, and I think that's, there's a subtle change there, but it means that we treat ourselves the same as everybody else. It's a very flat structure. Okay. I mean, anyone who's ever worked with us knows the sort of culture of octopus is, is pretty special, and I think it comes from the fact that the three of us like to, you know, when we set up the agency, we said we're not going to make the mistake that other agencies we've worked at did. We're going to take all the best bits right. and we're going to smash them together and we're going to make the agency that we want to work in. And well, I, go on then. What, what does that mean? Well, that's, that's I, good, yeah. I just think, you know, it's just we have a we have a sort of a mantra that, you know, we want to create a, a home from home, which sounds right. a bit apple pie, but, you know, we spend like 13, 14 hours a day together working on stuff. It's really important that it feels like, 
you know, it's a it's a home from home. We always say that it's like inviting someone into your house for a dinner party, you know, when you invite someone to work with you. And that we, we sort of live by that. So everyone who works with us now and has worked with us in the past, I think they've always been of a very similar mindset that, you know, you work hard, you play hard, but, you know, at the same time, you just straight down the line. And that's right. how Billy, Pete and I are um, as people. So I think that's really made a strong core. 14 hour days, did you say? Well, you know, sounds a bit I, I start early and finish late, you know, <laughs> has been known. Okay. Um, now, everyone who comes on the show tells me that if nothing else, agencies need to be, I guess, really good at one thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And your, well, your brands to sales proposition, that's interestingly different to, well, I can't think of another firm who's gone quite as aggressively down that impact ROI on, on PR mm. idea. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to go down that route? And I suppose, frankly, has it worked? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, one of the beauties of being an independent agency is that you can change direction pretty quickly. You know, a lot of our, you know, bigger competitors can't. They have lots of, you know, mouths to feed. You know, we've got 60 people, you know, which is a lot in itself. But it means we can change tack. We, we can adapt. About four years ago, we made the decision that, you know, we wanted to become, you know, have a, a different brand of PR than some of our competitors in technology do. So, you know, we just had the, f- the the sort of conversation that said, you know, we let's be brave, let's be bold. And I think, you know, we came up with this idea of linking brand reputation, which is what we'd always done, with sales success and revenue. And we thought, well, wow, that's pretty bold, you know, to do that. If we call ourselves, rather than Octopus Group, the PR agency, we call ourselves the brand to sales agency. Most people will think, well, what does that mean? But it will be a clear differentiator. Um, And we were confident that we'd seen campaigns even four or five years ago where we'd done great PR, great content, and led to demonstrable sales for our clients in the technology space. So what we've done over the last four or five years is actually codified that in a way of working so that now um, with our clients we will have obviously PR metrics, which are some of the traditional ones, but we will also have, in some cases, where it's specified hard sales metrics that we, that we subscribe to. So most CMOs that I, I speak to and I meet in technology have, to, have, two, have two objectives. One is to grow brand awareness in a grey market that no one really knows them. The other one is drive pipeline and sales. It's that simple. So we feel in our proposition we've got both. So sometimes we're talking about sales and commercial um, attribution and we're talking about driving revenue for clients. Sometimes we're talking about more general brand awareness and where we the perfect world for us is where we're doing both. Right. In the same programme, over time, and we think it adds the most value. And I think what, 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 it, what it's taught us is that, um, you know, the whole commercial conversation that PR agencies have changes radically when, you, when you're willing to commit to some quite hard sales metrics. Right. It makes budget conversations a lot easier. It makes the seat at the table, you know, uh, conversation easier for PR people. So just because, yeah. have, have you changed your fee structure? Then? Are you, are you, are you, do you, are you paid on a success fee basis? No, we, we, no, we, we haven't changed we, it. No, we don't right. do it like a pay by results. That's you right. know we don't do that. It's a bit different. It's, yeah. it's a bit different. Yeah. But what we will do is, in a, you know, we've got scorecards for every client. But on those scorecards, which we decide at the front, whether they're you know based on awareness metrics, whether they're based on SEO metrics, whether they're based on sometimes revenue metrics. Right. I mean, you know, when our clients are open with us and we get to those things, it's quite a powerful conversation, um, and it, it really changes the commercial nature of what, what we do. So for some of our clients, you know, uh, who, are, who buy into our brand sales idea, we're, we're 
we're giving them pipeline. We're telling them how many customers have been to their website, how many customers are going into their into their CRM. So it becomes a very more bus- a much more business conversation than you know how many coverage hits have we got this month, which yeah. is is still important. But in our view, it's not. It's certainly not the only thing you should be measuring. So outtakes, outputs, and outcomes. Yeah, and that. you know we're not the first to talk about this. You know, um, but I think we were one of the first to really take on hardcore sales metrics. Yeah, your positioning is yeah. more aggressive than most others, I think, in that, in, in terms of, of, of what we, we're doing. Like the, yeah. the one I was going to ask, because and that's the point, I suppose, isn't it? You touched on it there, is that they're not... These two things are not... They're not opposite, are they? Reputation leads to sales, uh, and, and I suppose, in a, in a sense, sales, lead, sales leads to reputation, doesn't it? So it's... Yeah. They're interconnected and intertwined, Yeah, and, really. I th- and I think we don't think of it as a, you know, a linear line. We think of it as a sort of, you know, an infinity symbol, really. You know, right. it's, it's, it's all interlinked. And, okay. you know, good PR people, I'm sure you speak to a lot in this, on your show, will all, always tell you that PR is strategic, it's important, it drives sales and reputation. But I think, as an industry, which is much talked about, we're not great at putting our necks on the line and saying, we think this campaign will deliver X mm. um, and, you know, being judged on the success of that. And I think as well, one of the big changes we had to go through, it wasn't just coming up with a new a new brand for the agency. It's how you reskill people within that to yeah. actually learn new skills. So well, let, let's come on to that in a minute. But I was just, I just wanted to explore that because I'm always surprised when, when I meet in-house people, as I, I, I do a fair bit, they're not always measured on the impact on, on sales that no. they have in the organisation. So I just wondered, that, you know, t- presumably by taking the stance and the positioning that you have, you're almost saying you're not the right agency for yeah. those people. I mean, I've, I, quite a, a few years ago, not long after we, we came up with this, I, I, I was asked to go to a major brand, I won't name them, um, and did a creds pitch about, you know, it was for a PR brief. And I literally got my first slide up, Octopus, the brand sales agency, and they all basically said, I think you're in the wrong meeting, we're, we're looking for a PR agency. We don't, we don't have any link to sales, we're in corporate comms. Yeah. So completely get the question. I, I, and I think we have this sort of on-the-fence relationship where... I guess uh, you, when you're in technology, which we are, remember that we work in a world of tech and B2B. The comms people I work with in tech and B2B, are major- most of them are focused on sales, and they are starting to get more metrics around that. Um, I think because the teams tend to be smaller, you know, because the, the, the PR teams in those tech, tech, uh, tech clients tend to be a bit smaller, they, they're, they're much closer to the sales operation. Right. We're not going to do brand to sales for, you know, Kellogg's. You know, because that's they've got mar- you know loads of people in marketing who can help them in lots of different ways, but we you know we think that our brand to sales approach effectively means that for tech and B two B brands, we can do most of the things that they need to do in, in marketing. Well, I was going to ask yeah. that. So, what happens when you only have a bit of the brief, or yeah. do you, or do you try and have have the whole brief? Because you know, one of the questions everyone asks: Well, how do you isolate yeah. this bit and that bit and this yeah. bit? Uh, and go on. What's, right. so what's, no, well, our, our plan is that you know, as I say, we bet the bet the business on or bet the farm or whatever. But it's that you know those things aren't isolated in the future; they are very much interlinked. But in reality, buyers buy in silos, right? Yeah. So you know, it's quite common for us to be the PR provider for one of our clients and not do some of the other stuff. They have other agencies that do that, which is cool. Likewise, it's quite common for us to get a brief and go, well, you should do everything but not PR because we don't think that's the right approach. So I think you just have to be grown up that we're never going to work with everybody and everything. But when we get a client that comes to us who has what we call them sort of, you know, 
quite progressive clients who get that this that this stuff is all coming together and they are willing to sort of work with an agency on more than one part of that brief that's when our sort of eyes light up and we tend to grow them into strategic clients okay so i get the theory mm. has it worked yeah well i mean i suppose in terms of a business success story yeah, uh, yeah. i mean it, it we're growing you know okay. i said we we've you know we've been going for 18 years and this last change in the business is only the last four or five of those so but, you but know it's long enough to know whether it's oh, gonna, yeah, yeah, gonna yeah, work absolutely and, and, yeah. yeah and absolutely i mean we stand up and um, you know at our quarterly meetings with the company and we talk about this stuff all the time you know we can see that the mix of work that we're doing is changing the company's growing financially um, we are doing more varied work, which is a big, big um, barometer I have for the way the business is changing. But I guess we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't want to grow the business, make more money each year, mm. you know, increase top line, but also bottom line profits. So it is working, and I think what's what what what's even more sort of vindicates us is when we see you know some of the agency changes that are going on in the market where. You know, we think that the things that we did four or five years ago are sort of rippling through now into the bigger agencies. One P and L, you know, one set, one set of one brand with multiple services. You know, take an Ogilvy for example, who've done probably the best example. But there's loads more, and I think all that structural change is coming about for the same reasons we, you know, we did it. We just oh. went a bit earlier, oh. um, and were able to be a bit more bold with it just because of the size. But there of the must have. Was there some pain early on? Because presumably there were some people who weren't right for the yeah. new plan, yeah. and frankly there were some clients who weren't right for the new mm. plan. So, and that, and that, that was just the realism of it, was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we sort of say that, you know, we sort of changed the wheels of the car while it was moving. You know, we, yeah. we want to keep doing good work every year, but we're pretty much ripping the business up, you know, in every aspect. Really? We, you describe it as, as Oh, yeah, as I mean, ma- as massive. That. And I think we, you know, in our, in our rose-tinted view of the world, I'll give it, we'll, that'll take a year. You know, we'll we'll do that. It actually took four. Um, you know, and what? Don't forget the big the big driver here is when you've got you know sort of forty odd PR people, which we did at the time, and you suddenly go, we're now going to be doing full service marketing. Yes, they not, go, not that's great, great motivation, is it? Well, well, actually, so <laughs> that defines the people. They go, yeah. actually, I yeah, want to yeah. get more skills. Yeah. I want to learn. I want to progress. Or I'm actually quite happy doing one of those things. Yeah. Now either is fine, but I think what we've effectively had to do is reskill the whole agency around digital techniques, digital marketing effectively. Um, and really, you know, most PR people don't like the idea of having a sales target, you know, or a campaign that they do and having a hard sales metric. It's pretty, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a leap of faith. Um, so the ones, some people didn't want to do it and they you know, moved on. Um, some clients really bought into it. Some clients didn't. Um, so, but, you know, four years on, we're now in a place where we've got, you know, a very varied mix of work across all of our services, which to me tells me that, you know, that's a good a good business place to be. But, I mean, Mike, just thinking that through, if I'm a client and you can show me, I suppose my ROI, for want of a less cheesy phrase, I'd probably spend, I'd probably throw a bit more money at you, don't I? So has your, has your sort of net client... Mm fees gone up yeah uh, definitely yeah, yeah I mean, we, have, we, we have this yeah. we have this um sort of metric in the business which is about um clients who use multi-services or more than more than yeah. four services right. and also client size and growth and cross-sell so you know it's quite it's very rare is it a client comes to us and goes right here's a million pounds i want you to do about having time marketing although we've had a few of those recently 
but more more often than not, it's like I need you to look at my demand gen programs, my marketing automation, or even just the you know the, the, the perhaps the more old fashioned. I need your PR and social, which still happens. But what we try and do is explain to them that you know if we can develop campaigns that can link all this stuff together, we can get better results. And then they say, well, what are you talking about? And you say, well, what about if we can deliver you X hundred thousand pounds of revenue for this campaign? And you prove, you do the first one, it works. And then, well, what if I double the budget? Yeah. Can you get me double the... So it, you're right, it does create a very different commercial conversation. And often what we're finding now is that with our sales focus is that you're creating the budget. So it isn't about my PR budget is 100, 100 grand. It's yeah. like, well, you tell me what if I put in what I'm going to get out. Yeah. And you'll be amazed how much those budgets get found by the marketing team yeah. or the sales team even. Well, yeah. all of a sudden you're not an overhead, are you? You're a, yeah. you're a sales tool. And every and every you know PR person you've interviewed here will you know tell you that there's always this whole you know the PR budget's flat. It stayed the same for year after year. Why is that? And it's because it's a nice it's the PR press release budget. But actually, if you try and jump out of that into a much bigger bigger pot and you make that business case, you know it, it's really powerful. And we also you know in our strategy team, we also find that we're we're almost pathfinding a lot of this stuff. It's almost like a piece of work to actually tell them how to improve their sales, right. which is um, absolutely brilliant work to get because it's very strategic. It's with the board, and often it creates budget lower down the line. So, okay. Now, so just we've talk, touched on it a few times. Just talk us through this integration play, which mm. is an overused term that, yeah. that we all talk about. But just briefly talk us through the range of services that I suppose you've layered yeah. together. Um, to create a bit of, a, I suppose, a, a suite of product for, for yeah. potential clients. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so, you know, we we, we have the, the whole brand to sales piece now has sort of multiple components ranging from traditional strategy and planning, public relations, influencer relations, the brand piece of what we do, all the way through creative services. So, you know, we'll be the outsourced creative team for some of our clients. Um, through to... The more the sharp, the closer you get to sales end, it's the demand gen piece, so demand generation briefs, so which can, can incorporate digital marketing, telesales, all the different things, all the different components of marketing that drive a, B, a B2B transaction. So we've got sort of our teams organized now in sort of seven service buckets that we, that we each sell, that each operate as a specific team. And then we we basically sell a suite of those depending on what clients want. So but, but, but from an employee perspective, yeah. Are, are you in? Would I find myself in one bucket, or, or do I have multiple skills? Um, you know, can, can I can I cover three buckets? Or so the, the way that we work is we have a client services team that sits atop with each right. client, and then we have specialist teams underneath. Right. So you know, I, I'm, I don't really subscribe to the notion that you, you know have to be good at one thing. I think this day and age, you have to be pretty T shaped. You feel that's the right word as yeah. an individual. As an individual, yeah. 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 And yeah. I think you know we're trying to foster really inquisitive marketing people who get tech who can know when they need to get a specialist paid media person in, for example, or, you know, get the right creative, the right digital help. So we've got these specialist teams underneath, but then this client services team right. at, at, sits at the top who are generalists who work with the clients to actually set, set uh, stuff and up. They, and they have specialisms as well, or they just tend to be account handler yeah, well, type? Yeah, they're account handlers, but, okay. you know, though, most of those people would, would have come from a comms background, yeah, which right. is the interesting thing. So, yeah. you know, they know how to write, they know how to communicate, they're good account managers. Okay. And I believe you can create those people. Um, they do exist. So the elephant in the room is that somehow, somewhere, you've either hired a whole bunch of new people 
or you've had to retrain the people you've got. So whilst making this train yeah, yeah, from a, a PR, a traditional inverted commas, yeah. whatever that means, PR firm, mm. to a, a more modern brand, to, well, yeah. a brand to sell, like yeah. uh, consultancy. So, so how did you do that? I mean, what is it? Yeah, was so it new training? Was it was it new people? What happened? Um, um, a mixture. Um, okay. So tr- training and development. I mean, in order to get people on the bus with what we were doing, you know, we, we set up... Um, what we call the Brand to Sales Academy. So really what that is is an internal training program to equip everybody in the business of whatever level with the right buckets of skills to right. operate, to understand the model, to talk about it, to project manage it. But you had to understand what the model was first. Right, yeah. I mean, you, you started with a, a, a pretty brief piece of paper or something and you had to yeah, populate yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, so we did. Yeah. And we built that out, you know, so we built that out starting from, well, let's be bold and let's say we do that. Let's show some case studies. But then we've worked out the steps you take to get from brand to sales. Okay. So from, from a skills perspective. From a skills perspective. Right. So And really one of the big, you know, Real big drivers for that was the mar- the marketing technology un- understanding. So, okay. so much of this stuff now in B two B is driven by marketing automation, and you know that sounds a bit yawn yawn for a lot of PR creative I'm, PR people. I'm still with you, don't worry. <laughs> but, okay. but but it's really really vital. So you know we're, we we effectively jumped three or four years ago really into understanding how some of the technology works to enable. Uh, B2B brands to sell better. So that's CRM technology, that's marketing automation. So we're now qualified resellers or providers and trainers of those pieces of software. Okay. And because we went right into that from the start, that like thinking process, uh, if you like, consultancy approach is really paid off. Okay. Um, so all our people now go through basic level training on those things. So, um, you know, and as I say, you know, we've had to bring new skills in. So, for example, where, you know, our digital team's grown from a development perspective. So we brought developers in, um, our paid media. We've had to get specialist paid people in who've joined the business almost when we've had critical mass of the services. But um, I I think the biggest thing was really getting everyone to embrace some digital marketing techniques, and 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 we've this this academy that we've developed is pretty all encompassing. It's it's actually quite hard to achieve, you know. I'm still working through mine, Um, but the idea is that you you get you know you get rewarded for that. It's linked to your personal objectives, and our view is that. If you're with Octopus, brilliant, and you'll learn loads of stuff. If for whatever reason you're, you you leave Octopus, you'll have brilliant digital marketing skills. Yeah. Um, and our mantra for our people is: we think you guys can be the CMOs of the future. You know, you've got all it takes to be those marketing leaders. I want to go on it. I'd, I'd go on your digital. Well, the interesting thing is a load of, a load of um, you know we're in second third year of doing that now, and a lot of clients are, are starting to yeah, ask us to come on it as well yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can never keep up with this stuff. You no. know, um, and we you know as an agency people look to their agencies now to tell them what things they should be looking at so um, we're starting to open that up to clients to come and join our training as well which is quite interesting and how long does it take is it it's, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's done in modules. We right. do um, modules every two to three weeks. Okay. There's a written component. There's a self-learning digital component, like Google Analytics training, for example. So it's pretty hard, hardcore and um, a big-time investment. Um, but our people love it because they feel that they're getting taught so it's, as well. So it's ongoing? Yeah. It's not like you do it for a year, get a certificate and no, disappear. because off. every it's year the, new, the tools exactly. change, right? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we've yeah. got to learn a new thing. Next, yeah. So we'll do a module on that. So, Fine. yeah, that's been a big part of it. But what you haven't said, which is what I thought you might say, yeah. is that you've changed, you know, because in amongst all of this complicated 
restructuring you've done, we've also seen a, a change in the market from fewer retainer-type clients mm. to more project. And a lot of people have come in, have, have changed their structure of their business. And you've got to be careful with it. You can't go too many freelancers. Mm. But, you, you know, they, they've where they needed to bring in specialist skills, they've, they've had, a, a, I don't know, a creative freelancer or a paid media freelancer or, yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you didn't say that. You said you tended to keep it in house, yeah, we've, we we like to keep the core the core of it in house. I think there's still some benefit in everyone, you know, working with the same people, understanding them. You know, right. P, I think coming from those PR routes we've got, I think the stability of a core account team is really important. Well, culturally as well, it's yeah, hard but, if, if if I don't know, forty percent of the agency is, is freelancers. Yes, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, it's yeah difficult. So we, yeah. you know, our, 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 one of our. Um, uh, heads of talent joined us uh, from an advertising agency a couple of years ago, and, and she was like sixty percent of their you know work was free. she was managing freelance budgets all the yeah. time. So we have a we're trying to bring a, an element of that in where it's needed. Um, but I think you know the bigger thing for agencies is how you manage that project based work is yeah, you know, okay. a massive deal. Um, you know, and that's been. Um, a, a learning for us over the last three or four years, kind of separately to, to the the rest of proposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. you know the moment you say we do, um, we have a brand sales program, we can do demand gen, we can do creative, we can do PR. Yeah, right. Yeah, creative yeah. isn't always a, a retainer. Um, so, but then you, you you still have to manage the business. So in PR, we've just become so used to managing retained based relationships that we can see into the future in terms of monthly income. You know, and I, I think what, what's our latest stats I think. Less than fifty percent of our revenue mm. is retainer now, um, which I think is industry wide, isn't it? Probably, yeah. probably no yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but it just means that you've got to bring a, li- a little bit of flexibility into the way you manage. Does that mean? But does that go back to your multi-skill element, or are you talking about something else there? No, both. I, I think okay. you, have to, you have to have the ability within uh, your agency to be able to flex and move skills around, move people okay. around, um, and that's why the T-shaped thing I, I talked about works. Yeah. But you also have to recognise that you do need an element of flexible labour to, you know, and. and specialist skills to, to come up with that as well. Okay. So, moving on, um, bearing in mind the business has been going 18 years, you've gone through, I don't know, three recessions, something, yeah, like, that. something like that. Touch wood. Um, <laughs> you had a difficult issue year in 2017, which I wouldn't want to overplay, but let's say your fee income decreased. Um, I should add that you've, you've, you're now growing again in 2018. Um, in hindsight, looking at sort of macro perspective, what have been the reasons for those tougher years? Would you say? You know, I'm, I'm, th- I'm talking learnings here. Yeah, big you know. time. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have this fr- this saying that I talk about in the offices. You know, remember when you were a kid and you used to run along, you used to go on a bouncy castle and you used to run across the castle, and it was always great fun. But occasionally, you got like a knee in the face or <laughs> um, or an elbow in the eye, and it really hurt. Yeah. Um, to me, that's agency life, right? It's, it's always great fun. You're always on the, on that bouncy castle, running along. So, you know. I think, what, 18 years we've been going, we've probably grown in 15 of those and not grown in three of them. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, w- you know, in, in 17, as I talked about, on that journey of brand sales, I think one thing that we learned was that that move from retainer to project really hurt us in one year. You know, we got the opportunity to do a, a massive project that um, was really exciting. And, you know, then the project gets pulled because of restructuring purposes, you know, big fee goes out the door. It's actually hard to recover within that year for that. So we learned from our mistakes that year that, you know, 
you've just got to be really careful about the type of work you take on whilst it's really you're always looking to get bigger and bigger pieces of work yeah. but as an agency you've also got to be realistic about how you manage those things it's hard um, though isn't it I mean, sometimes, it's really hard sometimes yeah. it happens sometimes you just get unlucky and you, yeah, you can't yeah, beat yourself up and you just go yeah well I've, I've also learned that quite work out yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah what I have learned over the 18 years is you know you sort of things are never as bad as you think and they're never no. as good and I think yeah. you know you've yeah. just got to um, keep going and you know I think there's something in the longer term play and I think you know yeah. what we've been really keen to sort of talk to our staff about is look you know on this journey what we're doing isn't easy you know we sort of always joke that we've got like all the complexity and services of WPP, but the sixty people, right? Um, and we sell into technology companies. Or well, you think you do? Yeah, well, I think we do. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But um, but at the same time, it, what we're doing isn't easy. As everybody everybody would have done it. Um, so I think the the learnings are, you know, don't, don't get too down. I mean, I think our industry is built on growth. So years where you don't perhaps grow as much as you wanted to, always feel like bad years. Well, that, um, that's that's yeah. the good thing about public relations yeah, yeah. in the, in its broader sense yeah. um, is that it's growing I mean it's mm. you know it's if you're growing at 10% you know that's that's that's, that's okay yeah, yeah. but there's people who are growing more than that aren't there yeah, so you know it's, it's a genu- it's a positive environment that we're all trying to oh it's loads to go in. I mean yeah. and, and that's why you know it's really exciting times I'm sure a lot of people have come on here have said the same I think it's a great time to be doing what we're doing um, if you just recognise that you know if you're focused always on the next year and the next two years you're always going to get knocks punches in the face but if you have a longer term view of where we're heading with this and that's how you reinvigorate it really is that you've got that that broader plan which you hope is right, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and you and you, you're just moving along. Yeah, and I always I always say to the guys, look, good. If we hadn't made the decisions we made, and you know, we sold one thing, we sold media relations one hundred and one. Oh, you'd be screwed. We'd be, we'd, yeah. we'd be like a fraction yeah. of the size now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we made the right choices. Yeah. Now it's interesting, and the other bit I, I liked when we talked in our in our pre-show chat was that. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was a failed Microsoft pitch um, a while back, so I don't think we're giving any any great exclusives away. Um, which was a, a moment when you, the, the three of you, kind of realised that your business had become too complicated. Just talk us through that. Yeah, so I, I'm a big believer in the fact that you learn more from your your sort of losses as you do from your wins. Um, and um, you know, we'd employed you know Octopus Group and. Those of us who've know, known us for a few years will know that we, the whole idea came from the fact that we felt that Octopus could be a group of different brands. You know, we had a multi-brand strategy. Um, I'd grown up working with uh, Tex 100 by, and that's the, definitely the model that they had. Um, but we'd actually got, you know, by, I think, 2012, we'd got 40 people. We got two offices. We got four brands. Um, we all were growing our individual brands, the, the, the guys, me and the guys. But actually... What we, were those four brands? Just to Yeah, so we had Octopus Communications, yeah. which was a mothership brand. Yeah. Rocket, which was a conflict agency at the time. Yeah. We had Union Street, which was a consumer offer. Yeah. And we also had Loud House, which is uh, a research business that we still have, yeah. have today. Um, but the whole idea was that they all coexisted and worked together, slightly different parts of the market. Um, but actually, um, you know, there came a time where we were um, we were asked to pitch for um, Microsoft, which was then and probably still is one of the biggest sort of B two B tech PR accounts out there, um, and um, really exciting, you know, great opportunity. But we worked out that we, the only way we could really do it credibly was by pitching as one group again, or one group of people. Um, and um, Microsoft were cool with that because they knew us quite well, so, and, and we did. We didn't we didn't win the pitch. But it was one of those really great experiences where we, I think we nearly did. Um, but what it showed us was actually we got like 40 people here. We all know we haven't worked together, some of us, for a long time. Why is that? And 
we were all in different offices. So how does that work? So yeah. that was a you know at the same time we were going through this um, redefinition of what the agency was going to be about from a service point of view. We mm-hmm. were like, we're just a bit complicated. Yeah. So we we decided that we'd move from a you know a multi office agency, multi brand into one office, one place in London, um, and then we'd look at the proposition, which was was brand sale. So right. you know, thanks to Microsoft not appointing us, you know, <laughs> very, you know that's the way we've got to now. So thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I was just going to talk to you because I, I know you're quite a, a passionate believer in in the the role of B two B public relations. Mm. Um, well, let's start. That uh, is it thriving? Is B two B PR? Is it in a good place? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think B I think B two B and technology. I think technology is in a great place. I mean, eighty percent right. of our work is in the tech sector. You know, there'll be other B two B. So I think technology has always been an amazing place to run a business because yep. uh, yeah, by its very nature it's it's evolving it's it's very diverse um so um and b2b i think i saw a stat the other day that you know based on gdp in the uk how much percentage of 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 transactions are b2b based and actually it's ridiculous what you is know? it i don't know does that put you on the spot it's, it's no it's majority it's, yeah obviously. it's it's well over 50 percent. Right. you know so this idea that the consumer economy drives everything so much of what we do in commerce is b2b related yeah so i'm a big you know, I, you know I've, I've done it throughout my career, so I guess I'm biased and, and the agency's focused on that. But, you know, I, I see um, uh, opportunities in, in in technology and B2B to offer long-term value and grow with clients and offer consultancy and strategic advice, which I'm not... I know happens in other areas of the market, um, but I just think, you know, B2B is a great place to be and that's, you know, it's a chance to really... I've always felt that which I tell uh, all, our, all our new starters that you get to work with like CEOs, you get to work with great, like, you know, real entrepreneurs in technology. You know, right. I always remember when I started out, you know, what, snotty-nosed, you know, 21-year-old just out of university and I'm briefing the sort of CEO of a multi-billion dollar tech business on what to say to a journalist. I'm like, what do I know? You know, but you learn from those people. And I think in tech, the proximity to the talent and, and the, the really clever people is always really close. So I, I love that about what we do, you know, okay. get to meet so many great, great businesses. Is there an argument that with the increasing, increasing scope of, 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 of what we try and define as public relations anyway, and, and that relates mm-hmm. to how you're trying to take the business, um, that there's more, you can have more, you're more likely to get more of that brief in B2B totally. work than you are in consumer. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and that's not, uh, I should carry up, that's not absolutely true, <laughs> but there's probably a trend where it, it's e- it's an easier grab at a B2B level than a consumer level, yeah. I thought. Because, because the, the, you know, so it's, pro- it's about proximity. So typically tech, tech and B2B teams are a lot smaller. Yeah. They don't have the big marketing departments of some of their B2C cousins. Um, and they're willing to work with agencies on a more strategic basis, fewer agencies, should I say, on a more strategic basis. So, as I say, we can offer those suite of services within, you know, 60 people in the UK to an EMEA, to pan-European programmes because it's technology. And, yeah, we're not, a, you know, a media com on media buying. We don't have, like, armies of people who do it. But yeah. we do have enough expertise to be able to cover it from a tech perspective well, uh, and the scale uh, that they want to do it. Yeah, yeah. because, I, I mean, I guess, frankly, that the, 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 the numbers of... Tar- that the target market involved in terms of actual people yeah, yeah. It, or audience yeah, is so much smaller. Yeah, it's smaller. So it's you, you don't need the... Need no, exactly. And there's, and there's some things about about being B2B that, you know, 
perhaps B2C of, you know, performance marketing, digital marketing is so much more advanced in B2C generally because, you know, the, you know you're dealing with consumers. It's very advanced. There's big teams, big media spend. In B2B, and we just did a campaign for one of our clients, which won a, a LinkedIn marketing award last year, and it was about getting to – there were a 1,000 buyers of this solution in the world who could buy this thing. And via a LinkedIn campaign that we did, we got to 300 of them. Right. And this is globally, because like you say, there's a thousand buyers of this technology, very defined niche, and one marketing person is in charge of that. So that gives you a sense of you can get quite deep and niche, but offer massive value to those companies. Um, And, you know, you know, really, as I say, you know, show sales on the back of that campaign, which is amazing. And where are you on the, I don't know, trying to compare that the creativity in in B2B versus consumer? Is is that a, because it can be quite often that the the sexy stuff that you see on the on the on the consumer side can can kind of put the B2B stuff in the shade a little bit. But is that is that something that bothers you? Or do you think they're just two different two different channels? I mean, it's a a big it's a big bugbear of mine. I mean, I, I think there's just a massive amount of creativity that goes on into things in B2B that is just hidden. Yeah. Right. And I get it, you know. Because it's just not as loud. It's just not as loud. Okay. And, you know, it's not on billboards, it's not on TV ads, you know. But um, you got to work really hard to sell a satellite imaging solution to a thousand <laughs> people um, globally. You've got to work really hard on the content that you, set, that, you, that you come up with, the story you tell, how interesting the language is. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, in B2B, we just, we just did a campaign for a farming technology company. Uh, company called hectare which is you know one of those things that we launched uh, an app for um buying and selling cattle i saw that called tudder yeah and um you know that was probably the best example of something just going completely viral yeah Yeah, it's b2b getting to farmers but actually it captured everyone's imagination so there's no reason why we should limit ourselves to just just doing you know boring sort of press releases about the, the inner workings of the tech you know there's a hell of a lot of creativity i think sometimes though the creativity in tech um happens not in the pr sector it happens in some of the marketing agencies that support it which we compete with now as well so you know some of the best campaigns for tech uh, in technology aren't pr ones if that makes sense they're they're in other i mean when you say pr in that sense you're talking about the media relations yeah sorry yeah yeah, i am yeah which is always i mean uh, you know we could you could do a thesis on that but uh, i mean i think we're agreed aren't we that if you're as a b2b or any pr firm still focusing on Media relations as 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 the main bit of of PR. It's a tough old place to to to, to yeah. grow, make money, exist. Yeah, big time. Yeah, and I think you know it, there's there's a massive place for it, but I think the economics of it just don't stack up. You know, yeah. um, you know sh- shrinking number of journalists. Yeah, they used start. to. They used yeah. to stack up. You know, when I started out and in the early days of Octopus, you know, it was, you know, I think there's some data on you know at one point when I in 2000 there was something like 150 technology publications in the UK um, you know God knows how many there are now you yeah. know um, you lose count they're closing every week so I think the economics change but what that means it doesn't make it I think it makes the placement and uh, the media relations in tech actually a more of a defined skill yeah. um, but at the same time it has to be supplemented with other activities that get to the influencers in a different way yeah. you know so one great example is we're seeing a big resurgence in you know the, the, the use of old-fashioned events and direct mail and some of the old techniques that have been poo-pooed over the last few years 
um, real making a return because it's just about you know engagement and you know they're all digitally sort of you know they're bored of all the digital uh, overlays they get they want to sort of see people they want to get things sent to them so you know it, these things come in circles don't right. they come back round I got a piece of dark mail the other day I could I could barely I couldn't open it, it was it was it was beautifully crafted <laughs> but it just didn't quite work you know what I mean I couldn't yeah, quite yeah. open it or construct it there was a place it, for but, it uh, definitely yeah, no, and just finally on on, on on I suppose the future I suppose for 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 John Lonsdale and, and and octopus as a whole, what, what is there? Um, is there? It's just a plan to, to scale up what you've got, or are you going to try and sell the whole thing and, and buy a boat? What's the What's the plan? No, I'm not into boats. No, <laughs> no I'm afraid. Um, yeah, the accent, I come from the Birmingham. Gives I, it away. Yeah, I come from Birmingham. I've never never been on a boat in my life. Uh, no, um, I mean, I think you know. Uh, we, we, I know everyone's got a mission, everyone's got a vision, but I think we, we do think we're onto something quite exciting with with, with brand sales, um, right. and we think that you know. You know, it may be a grand vision, but you know, and some some people look at what we do and go, "That's just make that's obvious." But actually, making it happen is really hard. Yeah. And I think um, yeah. we think that you know we've seen people adopt our methodology. Clients have really bought into it, so we think it can keep it can keep growing as a as a way of working, and we can keep adding to it. It's one of those um, things that's easily said, but the but we, devil's in the detail, isn't it? Right. But I think, I, and I think um, you know, we're, we're masters in PR rebranding ourselves and whatever. But I think it's it's actually lifting the lid and going right. How do you do this stuff? Yeah. You know, and um, we. So long answer to long answer to your question, but I think we see the business continuing to grow. I think you know we're seeing a lot more interest in working with us internationally than we've had before, um, because these things can scale into different territories as well. So that's an interesting area for the future. Um, but we've still got like so much to go at horizontally we're still like yeah. getting all these really rich I mean one thing we're just doing so much brand work at the moment really interesting rebrand projects which I love because it's just a real really great piece of work to be involved with a board of companies to actually redefining them we're, you know and we're just marching on with these amazing rebrand opportunities and that's not PR right but you know at some point it will be right. um, so I see massive potential in that and um, there's definitely a move to you know work with fewer and fewer suppliers under one roof and clients loving the the simplicity of it, and okay. which which is great because that's all that's interesting actually. Just to explore that briefly, because mm. there's always a, a tension, isn't there, from a buyer's perspective as to whether they want to, that that uh, that dreadful idea of a one stop shop, which you may not think, but you know what I mean. Or whether it's not you, dreadful to us, exactly. but yeah, but you, you know yeah. what I mean. It's absolutely, or, or, yeah. or you want to work with the. Uh, the, 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 a specialist expert yeah. the, or the best specialist expert that you can afford yeah. and neither of those two things is right or wrong no, no, no. but what you found is that there is a a trend buy side towards what you're offering which is in essence a bit of a one-stop shop type type um yeah if you if you're a technology company yeah it, and you're looking to sell to a b2b audience you know okay. it's that caveat so right. and if you want to do if you are in that category so we we would see ourselves as specialists in tech marketing right yeah because that gives us enough of a niche enough of a specialism so, so you're both a one-stop shop and a specialist well, if, well, if you, i mean like yeah. yeah i mean like i said we wouldn't do brand to sales for you know household name brands that okay. have big marketing departments we do it for yeah, companies okay. that are scaling quickly, want to grow fast, want to share commercial uh, risk with you, um, all that sort of stuff. So, um, but it's definitely a trend, and some of the briefs that we see come across our door now are, you know, the briefs you would have written four or five years ago. They're very diverse, multi-service. You know, they're longer term sometimes. You know, work with us over the next two years, almost as an outsource model completely. You know, here's our marketing budget. How would you spend it? Okay. Which is, you know where we all want to be, right? It's where we all want to be. So, John Lonsdale, thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me.
Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.